Our topic tonight is out of Revelation chapter 10, a mighty angel. Now to get our context here, we looked at chapter 9, and in chapter 9, it says they were, verse 5, they were not allowed to kill them, but to torment them for five months. This is in the sixth of the seven trumpets, and that's what chapter 8 and chapter 9 was about. And so we come to uh, this portion, and it says that they were going to torment them for five months, and we saw that that was fulfilled with the Ottoman Empire invading Nicomedia and continued to battle with the Byzantines until July 27th, 1449, exactly 150 years when the, later when the last Byzantine emperor only took the crown with the Turkish permission. So we have 150 years here of this battle between the Ottomans ascending to power. They were tormenting, they weren't gaining victory, but they tormented for those five months. And then, uh, and then they gain the uh, upper hand when uh, the Byzantines are only able to put an emperor in, and it's the last emperor, with the Turkish permission. So that ends that time period, and to, that's the first stage. And then in verse 15, it continues talking about the, the, uh, the Muslims in the four, with the verse 15, the four angels who had been prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year were released to kill a third of mankind. And again, using the time prophecy, and if you missed that, go back and we're just reviewing here um, for the, uh, so go back to uh, the topic on Revelation 8 and 9 on those trumpets. And uh, so that was a 391 year and 15 day prophecy, a very specific prophecy down to the very day, and continuing with where the last prophecy left off and using the same principle that we've been using all throughout Daniel and Revelation, that a day equals a year in Bible prophecy. The Ottomans invaded the Byzantine Emperor again, now 150 years later, and then we pick up, continuing from that date, July 27th, 1449, at 391 years and 15 days, and we come to the downfall of the Ottoman Empire as it submitted to Europe's help in a war against <coughs> Egypt on August 11th, 1840. Exactly 391 years, 15 days from the previous prophecy. And so we have over, what, like 500 years of prophecy in two different prophecies all coming together and all fitting their fulfillment. And so it wasn't a total collapse of the Ottoman Empire, but it begins the downfall just as they received ascendancy by the other power having to submit. Now they're needing assistance, showing their weakening of their power and their needing, and then begins their downfall. So it takes us to the year 1840. And so that's where then chapter 10 picks up and continues. I saw chapter 10, verse 1, I saw another angel, a mighty angel, coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head, and his face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. And so we've seen this type of description before. Uh, Yeshua is described this way at the beginning of Revelation and other places in the Bible, with pillars like fire, and like uh, bronze, and, and surrounded with the rainbow, and the rainbow surrounding God's throne. And so here his, uh, his head is surrounded with this rainbow, and his face is shining like the sun, and so it could be Yeshua or a messenger sent by Yeshua with a message from Yeshua. 
And so with the word angel here, it doesn't always translate as angel. It's the same word that's used other places in the Bible as messenger. So it could be Yeshua coming as a messenger with a message, or again, him sending an angel with a message representing him. And he had a little book, uh, let's see. Yep, and he had a little book open in his hand. Right? And so what is this little book that's open in his hand? And so where do we go to, get a, uh, to find the, the answer to that type of a question? Where do we look to know what this book could be? In the Bible, that's right. We let the Bible explain itself. Right? And so where else is the Bible? Is there a book talked about? Well, we go to Daniel, and again, these are parallel books. In chapter 12, verse 4, But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. And many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. And so we have the book being closed and sealed in Daniel until the time of the end. And now here we are, 1840 in this time prophecy, and now the book is opened for us to understand because we've entered into the time of the end. And we looked at that when we did the, uh, one of the sermons on Daniel chapter 12. And again, if you missed that, go to shalomadventure.com. Type in Daniel 12 into the search bar and you'll see the sermon there. Find the one that talks about the end of time. We look at the difference between the time of the end and the end of time. And we saw from the biblical perspective where the end of time began. Beginning of the end of time, which then takes us to the, time, the, 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 the end of time. Right? So we have the time of the end taking us to the very end of time. And so as we entered into the late 1700s, 1800s, a great revival and a great studying of God's word takes place and an opening of God's word as it never happened before, as never seen before. And, and next week as we get into chapter 11, we'll see that even more fully, again, as these two chapters, 10 and 11, work together and parallel together. We're still within this sixth trumpet. We still haven't reached the seventh trumpet, so all of this, these two chapters, 10 and 11 in Revelation, are kind of a parenthetical section within the sixth trumpet, leading us on to the seventh trumpet. We went through the first four trumpets with like one or two verses each. And then five and six trumpet, have quite a number of verses, and the sixth trumpet in particular, when we include these two chapters, we're talking like two and a half chapters just on this one trumpet. So the focus here towards the end of time. Back to Dan Revelation chapter 10, verse 2. And he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land, and he cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars, and when he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. Right? And so he's got one foot on the sea. And so what do seas or waters represent? We've already looked at that. What's that? Multitude of people. That's right. In Revelation 17, it talks about the waters that you saw. I forget it was 17 or 19. I didn't put the text up there. Uh, but it says the waters that you saw are people, nations, tongues, uh, multitude of people, right? And so we have these standing representing the countries of the world that have a multitude of people. And in contrast to that, if you have a sea representing a multitude of people, then what would land represent? An area where there's 
not many people, right? And so we have him here. In other words, this message is for the entire world. This message is for the cities filled with people. This message is for states and countries that are jam-packed with people, as well as country villages and areas of the, of the world that there's very few people, the deserts and, and outsourced uh, areas, out, um, areas out of the way where there's few people, but the message is still for everyone all throughout the world. In other words, he's covering the whole world by land and sea. He's stepping over, the whole world is his footstool. The whole world is his place for his message. And he's crowding with a loud voice as like the lion roaring, a very important message, giving this sounding cries and seven thunders are uttered from his voice. In verse 4, and when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write, John's about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up the things which are the seven thunders uttered and do not write them. So it's describing what's going to take place on the earth, but he tells John, don't write that down. Maybe it's too, too much for John to write down. Maybe it's too much for us to be able to handle. But for whatever reason, God tells it to John, but doesn't let him write it down down. And again, it's seven thunders, and again, we've seen through Revelation 7, 7, so the totality of it, the totality of God's message that will go the open book of the book of Daniel and proclaiming what is in the book of Daniel. And I think we're going to get a little hint here of what might have been within those seven trumpets as we continue on. Verse 5, the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are therein and the earth and the things that are therein and the sea and the things that are therein, that there should be delay no longer. But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants, the prophets. Now this description here of this angel, again, with the foot on the sea and on the land, now his hand raised up, very similar to the description in Daniel chapter 12 of a message coming from the angel there. And so we have again another parallel, this chapter paralleling with Daniel, paralleling with the book that's shut, and now this book is open for our understanding. And as we study the book of Daniel in chapter 12, we see that there'll be a time of trouble such as the world has never seen, and maybe that's why it couldn't be written, because it's such a, we can't imagine it, beyond what we can imagine, beyond what we can picture, beyond, worse than has ever taken place. And we've had a lot of horrendous things take place in this world since John's day and even before John's day. And it seems that the, the carnal heart of man devises worse and worse ways of inflicting pain on each other. God will take us through, God will have his hand, and he will sustain us through whatever it is as he's continued to sustain us down through the ages to our day today. Through all the troubles, through all the attempts of annihilation, through all the attempts of, of uh, destroying God's people and nullifying God's people, God has kept a people alive to this very day. That's absolutely miraculous. How many attacks, how many attempts and yet, God's people remain. And so this message goes forth and he refers to one. He's 
swearing by him who created the heavens and the things that are therein and the earth and the things that are therein and the sea and the things that are therein. That's very similar to the description of God's creation and God's Sabbath in the Ten Commandments as he describes the one who created the heaven, the earth, and the sea and all that is in them. And so he's swearing by the Creator God. And today in society, God as Creator has been forgotten, has been taken out of people's minds. That he's not the creator, that we don't have a created God, that we just evolved from muck and dirt and mud. Which actually, if that was possible, that would be a miracle in itself. It would be a greater miracle than, than God creating Adam and God creating Eve. We try to take the creator God. Oh, we can have our God. Oh, you can worship some kind of God. But not as the creator. Because if he is the creator, he is all powerful. He is all authority. He has all dominion. And so Satan has worked very hard to eliminate the creator God from people's minds. But here this angel, swearing by him who did all these things, who is the creator. And that there should be delay no longer, right? That there should be delay no longer in verse 6. So if there's to be delay no longer, then what that, does that mean has happened before that no longer takes place? That there was delay. Exactly. So what's this delay? Again, in context, the last time prophecy we saw was taking us to August 11th, 1840. And I believe since that time, the Lord could have come. Again, at the beginning, that time period there, not that exact date, but that time period there, late 1700s, all these time prophecies coming to, to fulfillment there, early 1800s. That any time since then, the Lord could have come. But we have this delay taking place. Why is it so long? We're still here, and we shouldn't be. The gospel could have gone to the world already, easily gone to the world. If with the momentum that we had, with the Reformation, and the gospel going, and then uh, America's, and the, and the British Bible Society spreading the Bible and translating the Bible, with the population that existed then in the world, we would have kept it up with the revivals that were taking place. The gospel would have gone to the world. But instead, we're still stuck here in this delay time period. We believe he's coming. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. And yet, where is the promise of his coming? We're stuck in this delay. There's still people that need to hear his word. But there's going to come a time where there will be no more delay and we will have the sound of the seventh trumpet. And God is waiting for us. One of the last prophecies, one of the only remaining ones, is when this gospel is taken to all the world, then the end shall come. But God in his mercy, his long-suffering, doesn't want that any should perish. He wants all the world to have an opportunity to hear him, to accept him with all the ability that they can, with the word of God in their language, with it being brought by a human being and shared with them. They're waiting upon God's people to get serious, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Look at what 11 disciples, right, without Judas, look at what 11 disciples, what God did through 11 disciples, taking the gospel to the, to the Roman Empire and other places as well, all the way to India and down into Africa. 11 people taking the message, God pouring out his spirit. God wants to pour out his spirit again, and I believe in a, even a greater revival than it began 
God's waiting for his people to surrender all to him, to take him seriously, to let go and let God take full control of our minds and hearts, to let go of the things of this world, to let God to fill us with his spirit. That's what will give us the power. That's what will give us the unction. That's what will give this, like the angel messenger on the sea and on the land, all the world proclaiming with a loud voice the creator God is an everlasting God. And he provides forgiveness for us through the Messiah who's come and given his life for us. Who can change our hearts and transform us back into God's image. So God's waiting on. He's waiting on us. God wants to come. He's ready to come. But he's waiting on a people that will surrender all to him. And then there'll be delay no more. Delay no longer. All the time periods are done. We looked at every single time period. Oh, there's one more we're going to see next week, but it already has come to pass as well. <laughs> but all the time periods have already found their fulfillment. There's delay no more. There's time no more. And that's another way that this word delay can be translated. As time, there's no more need of time. There's no more time prophecies. God's just waiting for his people. And when we get serious and take the gospel to the world, it'll stir up the wrath of the devil even more. And thus will begin that time of trouble. But God will see his people through as we trust in him. Verse 8, And the voice which I heard from heaven said, Go, take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. And I said to the angel, Give me the little book. And he said, Take and eat it. And it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be sweet as honey in your mouth. I took the little book out of the angel's hand and I ate it, and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, eaten it was, uh, my stomach became bitter. That's kind of interesting thing. So he's eating the book, and yet there's something about the book that's sweet to his lips, but bitter in his stomach. Well, again, as we look at the book of Daniel and think about the book of Daniel. And it leads us from Daniel's day all the way to the end of time, the destruction of all nations, the God setting up his everlasting kingdom. It's very sweet. That's beautiful. That's wonderful. We look forward to his coming. We look forward to God's eternal kingdom. Where there'll be no more pain, no more death, no more sorrow. Where there'll be no more corrupt governments, no longer controlling people, manipulating people. No more killings and murders and thefts and abuses. Evil has been, will be eradicated once and for all. It's very sweet. Come, bring it on. Let's have it. But then again, in the book of Daniel, it talks about this time of trouble that's coming upon the world. It's a sweet, but also the bitter comes as well. And so again, I think it very aptly describes the book of Daniel that was sealed for a time, but open to our eyes and understanding now as easily as we look back at it. Verse 11, And he said to me, You must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. So again, there have been revivals down to various times in, in history. A revival, 
when Yeshua walked this earth, many people following him, an even greater revival after his death and burial and resurrection and the outpouring of his spirit on Shavuos, revivals that took place as we came out of the dark ages with the reformers, revivals again towards the end of the 1700s, early 1800s, American revivals and revivals around the world. But prophesy again. Again go forth. Again take the message. Again have that first love experience. Again have the fire of God burning in our bones, compelling us on to share God's truth, to stand for the right, to stand distinct, to stand unique, to stand as God's peculiar people in this world, and to proclaim his truth even before kings. He'll take his message. And that's where this chapter ends. And so again, it takes us all the way to the end. We're still in that sixth trumpet, waiting for that seventh trumpet to sound. We have another chapter to go, chapter 11, before we get to that seventh trumpet. So we're still here within this sixth trumpet. And chapter 11 is going to reveal even more to us of what's taking place within this time of the end the time that we're living in, things that have already happened and things that are to come. So as we end and prepare to pray in a moment, let us ask God to fill us with his spirit. We may not only just read his book, read the book of Daniel, read the book of Revelation, read the Bible, but may we take it and eat it. May we ingest it. May we let God use us in taking it from sea to shining sea, to over the seas, to lands across the world, and proclaim it with a loud voice, like thunder in the sky. Take God's word, take God's truth, take God seriously, and surrender all, and bring his everlasting gospel to all the world. Let's pray together. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, we praise your name and we thank you for your word. We're thankful for your truth. And we're thankful, Lord, that you've sent forth messengers. Thank you that because of them, we have the word of God today, that we have your word. Thank you for those that have stood steadfastly and have proclaimed it in the past. And Lord, as we're stuck in this delayed time, Lord, use us in hastening your coming and ending this delay and ending the sorrow in this earth and warning the world and preparing people for your coming. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Cleanse us through the sacrifice of the Messiah. In Yeshua's holy name, amen.